This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Hanif Baharudin and this is Gigi Well Played, the show that talks about all things video games. In this episode, we're going to have a glance at the Epic Games vs. Apple card battle that's currently ongoing and look at how Epic Games has been managing itself in the industry. But before that, here's a recap of some of the biggest news in the world of gaming with Daryl Ong and Dashren Johan. Thank you, Hanif. This week, Sony dominates our weekly recap with a couple of bad news and a decent one. Uh, as usual, let's start with the bad. Sony is now facing a class action lawsuit for limiting the sales of digital copies of games to only via its own digital storefront, which is the PlayStation Store. Yes, and the lawsuit is alleging that Sony is operating under a monopoly by restricting the sale of digital download codes by third-party retailers like Best Buy and Amazon starting back in 2019. Yeah. Yeah, the lawsuit filed by a consumer group claims that Sony's monopoly allows it to charge supra-competitive prices for digital PlayStation games, which are significantly higher than their physical counterparts, so in the competitive retail market and significantly higher than they would be in the competitive retail market for digital games. Yes, it, it also claims that people end up paying as much as 175% more than the same ones on disc. Yeah, as of the time of recording, Sony has not released any statement as of yet. And of course, Sony's not the only one facing a monopoly lawsuit as Apple and Epic are also currently duking it out in court over this very issue. More on that later. That's right. But moving on and among the fallout of the ongoing trial that includes the revelation that Sony was not so keen on crossplay, mm. a feature that allows you to play multiplayer games with other players that are playing on different platforms and consoles like the Switch, the Xbox, the PC. They wanted some form of compensation to offset the potential loss of revenue from enabling crossplay. These things were revealed via confidential documents and emails in the Epic versus Apple trial that showed Sony's hesitancy. Sony was notoriously reluctant to allow crossplay and was the last one to do so among all the major players. They initially blocked cross-platform play for both Rocket League and Minecraft, despite Nintendo and Microsoft enabling players to play across the Xbox and Switch. Yes, however, Sony soon faced the pressure after they blocked crossplay for Fortnite in 2018, leading to outrage among players, and they subsequently relented and allowed it late in 2018. Yeah, but for now, it's been revealed how hesitant they were to appoint where Epic had to convince them that it's a win-win scenario for both parties. Epic also negotiated their way by offering Sony a brand presence at E3 and extra benefits via their Unreal Engine 4 to sweeten the deal. Joe Craner, Epic's Vice President of Business Development that wrote the email also wrote, I can't think of a scenario where Epic doesn't get what we want. That possibility went out the door when Fortnite became the biggest game on PlayStation. <laughs> and that email led to a rejection by Sony who argued that, and I quote, the cross-platform play is not a slam dunk no matter the size of the title and did not see how cross-console play improves the PlayStation business. But later on, they eventually re- 
relented, but via a way that still benefits the company, royalty payment would never PlayStation players contribute more than a certain percentage to the bottom line of a cross-platform game. And this is to offset the reduction in revenue from Sony enabling crossplay. Epic Games CEO Tim Sweeney later confirmed in his testimony in the Epic Games vs. Apple trial that Sony is the only platform holder that requires this compensation for crossplay. According to him, and I quote, if somebody were primarily playing on PlayStation but paying on iPhone, then this might trigger compensation. Sweeney also revealed that Epic had to agree to pay these additional fees to Sony in order to enable cross-play in Fortnite. Yeah, this is indeed an interesting revelation that showed Sony's attitude towards cross-play as well as how they capitalize on it compared to the big players in the industry that has been providing this service for free. From terrible news and surprising revelation, uh, now we move on to something that's a bit more positive for the company and hopefully gamers, especially for Discord users who also have PlayStations. Yeah, Sony has announced a partnership with Discord to put the voice chat system on the PlayStation network. Yes, in a blog post, Sony Interactive Entertainment's president and CEO Jim Ryan said that the company is already working together to integrate Discord into the PlayStation experience. They also said that Sony Interactive Entertainment has made a minority investment as part of Discord's Series H round. Nothing much was explained though, but this is an interesting development. Considering that Discord was in talks with Microsoft recently over a potential acquisition rumoured to be around $10 billion. Crazy. Discord mm-hmm. had eventually turned down that offer and had signalled their intention of being listed, but was still apparently open to any potential offer from Microsoft in the future. And in the meantime, PlayStation owners can look forward to using Discord on their console. We'll be bringing you updates as and when they're available. That's right. Last story of this week and from another gaming giant in Japan, Nintendo. They have recorded the most profitable financial year on record after its operating profit went up 81% year on year. Uh, Their crown jewel, the Nintendo Switch, is now close to selling 85 million units. Yes, according to Nintendo's financial results for the year ending 31st of March 2021, the operating profit has risen 81.8 year on year up to 640 billion yen. Ordinary profit increased around 88.4%, totaling at around 679 billion yen. The figures surpasses the company's previous gross profit record of 501 billion yen, which was recorded in March 2019. Their sales revenue is the second highest year on record at around 1.76 billion yen, topped only by 2009's record of 1.83 billion yen. Nintendo has now sold 84.59 million units of Nintendo Switch in its lifetime, with 28.8 million of those being sold last year, counting both the standard and light versions of those consoles. As for games, Nintendo sold 230.9 million games last year, with Animal Crossing, the New Horizon, selling 20.85 million units as it captured the lockdown market. And in terms of physical digital preference, there was an increase towards digital sales with 42.8% of these games being sold digitally compared to 34% last year. As much as they are doing well, Nintendo expects a decline in profit and revenue in the next financial year as they expect not to be able to match the figures recorded during the pandemic lockdowns when people were buying more games and consoles. That's right. However, they are banking on games that have been announced such as Militopia, Mario Golf, Super Rush and The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD, along with new Pokemon games to somehow help with their sales in the future. That's right. Daryl and Dashrin here on the news. That's all we have for this week. Back to you, Hanif. 
Thank you very much, Daryl and Dashon. Let's hit for a short break. Up next, a look at Epic Games following the ongoing court battle that they're currently involved in with Apple. Stay tuned. This is Gigi Well Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to GG Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharudin. Early last week, Apple and Epic Games finally hit to court, almost a year after Epic Games filed a lawsuit against Apple for kicking out their hugely successful battle royale game Fortnite off the App Store. Apple did that after Fortnite introduced a direct payment system on the game for their V-Bucks that bypassed Apple's own payment system that's mandatory for every digital purchase via apps from the App Store. As a result, Apple kicked Fortnite off the store for breaching its terms of service and to retaliate, Epic Games filed a lawsuit claiming that Apple has abused its position and created a monopoly by restricting apps from having other purchasing methods in-app outside of the one offered by the App Store in which Apple is currently taking a 30% cut. It's a complex subject and as we follow the developments of these two tech giants as they fight it out in court, let's recap the issue again and look at how Epic has been handling this as well as their other stakes in the game. Gaming world. Joining me to unpack this is Jonathan Leo, content director at video game website kakuchopure.com. So, back in 2020, I believe it's around August, Epic Games intentionally broke Apple's rules by putting its own payment processing system, i.e., the Fortnite game itself, in the iPhone version of Fortnite. This bypasses Apple's 30% fee and basically gives players a V-Bucks discount. So, this went against Apple's TOS, so Apple responded by taking Fortnite out of the iOS App Store. Epic then launched a lawsuit and PR campaign declaring the iPhone maker, quote-unquote, anti-competitive. So, both companies have been building their cases, I think close to a year, well, I'm barely even a year, I guess, and now have been taking jabs at each other since. So now, I believe the case started on the 3rd of May, they're going at it through a bench trial. So, no jury... Judge decides the outcome, which is happening like since last week up till this week going on. I believe it's going to last for about 16 to 17 days. I'm not really a lawyer per se or anything. So this is just me getting advice here and there from friends who are. So they tell me a bit about this stuff. So yeah, I think it should be lasting about two and a half weeks, I guess. So should be interesting to find out what's going on from there. So what are the respective arguments made by both Epic and Apple to present their case right now? So, Epic Games are suing them on the grounds of quote-unquote anti-competitiveness that have quote-unquote monopoly power, using and referencing antitrust laws to, you know, counter Apple, basically. So, Epic says that the iOS is an unavoidable operating system for mobile developers. So, it's not really fair that it forces everyone to play by its oppressive rules. So, that's at least according to Epic. Apple's rules for third-party iOS apps aren't just unfair. They're anti-competitive and quote-unquote illegal per se. So for like Epic Games arguments is basically what they have to do is to prove that Apple has monopoly power. Like that there's a market for Apple to have monopoly power over, you know, a market itself that isn't just complaining about a software feature and its term of services that, you know, Epic doesn't like. Their argument that there's a foremarket for smartphone OSs, operating systems, and aftermarket for apps that run on smartphone OSs. So in Apple's case, it's selling its iPhones and it's creating iOS app distribution and iOS in-app payment processing aftermarkets. So what Apple has to counter-argue what Epic is saying is they have to prove that it is competing in the market rather than controlling it. Apple seems the, that 
the App Store has a game transaction platform, one that competes against similar stores like Google Play, Steam, PlayStation Network, and the Microsoft Store. Apple doesn't have anything close to monopoly power, at least according to them. It also brought the fact that it has 23.3% to 37.5% of the whole market share among the apps itself in the app space. Lah. There's this also this whole 70-30% argument that I guess Epic is also trying to somehow uh, get Apple to change and argue for the fact that I think um, the 70-30 argument is too high of a cut for Apple, right? But having said that, if you look at consoles, um, they are also taking the 70-30% cut as well. And consoles are doing it too, and yet they did not become a target by Epic. So what's Epic's argument on this front? Why did they not target consoles when it comes to uh, this argument? That's the funny thing that was actually, that's the underlying thing about the case when you think about it. I'm not sure if Epic Games actually have a case right there, like a solid one. One argument in particular that Apple brought up, for example, is asking Epic why they're fine putting Fortnite on the PlayStation even though Sony has similar rules. Epic did point out that consoles aren't the same as iPhones because they're single-purpose devices. And Epic wanted to basically build a quote-unquote metaverse where players and creators can buy and sell content and games across platforms by getting rid of rules and fees on smartphones, i.e. Apple. Once you've heard like the public hearings and you know, if you see both sides, it just feels clear as day that Epic Games is clearly in it for more money. Epic wants to sell Fortnite V-Bucks, let's just be honest, without paying Apple's 30% fee. And also to secure like a future where they can create a version of the Epic Game Store that sells mobile games, possibly on the you know Google Play Store lah, which would be a bit more quote unquote fair lah for them. Mm. Is the claim made by Epic fair? Have Apple abused its position and monopolized the market? And not to mention taking too big of a cut, especially from small developers. I mean, here's what Apple has proved so far lah on a public record. So Apple sells devices and not really a mobile operating system. The App Store and in-app payment system on iPhones are part of what makes, you know, iPhone, iPhone lah. The App Store itself has made things better for everyone, at least according to Apple. Customers get access to a ton of apps and developers make money. This is the cut would be like because there's an ecosystem that, you know, that is actually easier for people to use. Now compare this to Epic where basically they have made over 700 million just from exclusives per se. Like, yes, they're actually making deals with bigger developers, but they seem like all this exclusivity might actually end up hurting competition per se, which we'll probably tackle later on. And people and developers have to... Like, again, if they feel that the 730% cut itself is not fair, people and developers can just switch away from iPhones and iOSs to, like, the next best thing, which is definitely Android devices. That's really proof of competition for Apple's case. And because Epic has to say that they're in control, like in Monopoly, that's the tough case that they're trying to build, per se. And also the in-app payment system in particular for Apple is not really a product. Apple doesn't really market it. It doesn't really flaunt it. And app developers don't have to use it if they want to sell physical goods, only digital content. Again, it's what basically the part of the ecosystem that Apple created. And of course, the iOS and app store rules and security features, according to Apple, seems to protect consumers and developers. This is the one that Epic is trying to battle back and forth because they have a lot, you know, because, you know, a lot of games have been like approved through Apple's site, despite the approval process being f- super long compared to Google Play. So, you know, a lot of garbage games do get, go, get through here. So this is the argument that they're going back and forth so far during the court case. 
Okay, let's 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 look at Epic uh, more closely, right? Um, especially if, for for a gaming show, I think it's worth looking at Epic's uh, business practice uh, elsewhere as well. So, um, apart from developing the highly influential Unreal Engine and the hugely popular and successful Battle Royale Fortnite, uh, Epic is also uh, trying to compete with Steam in the PC game marketplace, right? Uh, you can see them not only practicing what they preach uh, by giving developers a higher cut of the revenue via Epic Game Store, but also presenting a lot of goodies for gamers like uh, weekly free games and exclusives. What was the reception like among PC gamers to Epic Game Store and their approach? It's definitely mixed. When the Epic Game Store came out around 2018, I think they started out as like the quote-unquote bad guys between, you know, Epic and Steam because people just really don't like change. And to be fair, the EGS store itself just feels a bit... Um, I won't say underdeveloped because it works, but it feels like a barely a bare-bone minimum kind of store. Lah. Like, the interface really needed work. But they still kept the app on over the PCs because that's probably the only way you can play Fortnite. And Fortnite is the biggest thing ever. And all these exclusivity deals that they've been making has been making a big cut for them from 2018 onward. And that's the thing, going back to developers like uh, Supergiant and Gearbox, they seem to love accepting money from Epic Games to keep their games exclusive for about a year before coming out on other development platforms like Steam. So the PC version has to be exclusive only with Epic Games for a year. So see Hades and Borderlands 3 for big examples. And speaking of Borderlands 3, Gearbox actually got paid US $80 million to make the game exclusive. If Epic Games store version of Borderlands 3 sold past US $80 million in sales, Epic Games get to recoup the excess costs. The excess costs itself, the marketing commitment and the other fees, I believe it's about US $35 million. So in a sense, they're basically making a profit. You know, they're getting not just 80 million, but also the extra 35 million per se from the sales itself, like from the combined efforts of Gearbox and Epic Games itself. And besides, the game itself, uh, Borderlands 3, in the first two weeks, the game sold like US 77 million within the first two weeks. So it's basically, they got back like the 80 million plus plus in a couple more weeks, lah, in the coming months or so. So in a way... Epic Games, when they want to secure exclusivity deals, they make sure they do it with the biggest game possible. In this case, definitely Borderlands 3 around 2019. Mm, yeah. Uh, Epic seems to be very, quote-unquote, aggressive in securing all these exclusive rights to all these games that usually will be available openly uh, via Steam and also other platforms, right? So there are people that are arguing that perhaps they are also being quite hypocritical when it comes to trying to argue for an open marketplace by securing the, all these exclusive deals. It does feel that way, actually, because they're... Epic Games have been around since, like, the days of Jack, Jack, Jazz Jack Rabbit and Unreal, like we brought up. So they know how the PC market works. I mean... Their entire livelihood, the reason why they're still surviving is because everyone is still paying them licenses for the Unreal Engine that they're hawking out since early 2000s or even earlier than that. So I guess they're in the EGS thing itself is in for the long haul. Like, I know that the Epic Games Store, I mean, I checked it like a couple of days ago that it's still kind of bare bones. They still don't even have a shopping cart for crying out loud. But they actually have secured quite, not, not just the exclusive deals, but also... Other developers are jumping ship to Epic Games because of the money they're giving uh, they're giving developers to help grow as long as they keep selling the games on that platform itself, away from Steam and other platforms. Oh, and also the free games that they've been doing in the programs has also been keeping 
Epic Games and the storefront active. Like, I believe they gave away Grand Theft Auto 5 free for a while, as well as a number of games like the Batman Arkham Trilogy, or at least one of them. And then they do it like in a way that it's like, oh, you got to do it within the first, these three days during the weekend or else it's gone forever. I think there was, actually there were actually a couple of games I wanted to buy, but because of like the free, the free to download and get forever kind of deal they had, I, it made me just own the game and just play it on Epic Games Store. Lah. So there's actually some value to what they're doing. And because they have like a, a current money, how do you say, like a meal ticket right now, like um, Fortnite, still giving them money, I believe they're still going to be doing the blunt force way of doing business uh, from then till now. So it's not going to stop anytime soon. Yeah, um, I think the incentives that they are giving to developers make it a friendly platform, right? I think to a certain extent, especially when it comes to the cost of developing games these days, uh, as much as 30% is considered I guess in the larger scheme of things, not as high. If they were to get 88% compared to 70% uh, for developers, the numbers are quite a bigger deal, right? And and to a certain extent, uh, especially for small developers, it feels like, you know, maybe it's worth going to Epic Game Store to sell their games uh, seems to be a more reasonable option, which is why I guess we, we are seeing a lot of developers agreeing to be, to be a part of these uh, exclusive deals. Uh, yeah, even to the point where Epic Games are like targeting like the big players like PlayStation, Nintendo, and Xbox. There was actually a recent court documents and reveals from the case that mentioned that they actually, I think it was uh, quite a number of million. I think like they're trying to secure like four to six PlayStation exclusive games to come out on PC Epic Games Store for a year lah, on their platform specifically. They've tried offering this to like, I mean, they're still waiting on for Sony PlayStation. They tried approaching Microsoft. Microsoft said no. And they were planning to talk to Nintendo, but they couldn't because of, you know, Epic's history with Nintendo since the 90s onwards. So yeah, that's quite a bit of revelation where basically Epic has been hard at work trying to secure deals with the craziest ideas possible. And the thing is, they have enough clout and legacy to do it, as well as like a very deep vault of money to do it too. Going back to Epic Games Store, it's interesting that um, you mentioned earlier that I think the user interface, uh, the shop itself is pretty clunky, right? Yes, bare bones lah. I mean, it still loads. I mean, it may be a little bit slow, but overall, I mean, they could have improved it. But I think Epic Games they have a bigger focus in terms of like you know doing more business with developers taking a loss from the developer, the, the huge developer cut that they're giving out in exchange for like a bigger long-term payout. Lah. Yeah, but but I have a PC gamer friend who argued that, um, you know, these are the things that I think PC gamers are looking for. I mean, if you want to compete with Steam, right? Because Steam seems to be dominating the market. But it seems like the launcher is is, is clunky. They didn't, like you said, they didn't even have like a shopping cart. So these are the basic things that if you are serious about wanting to uh, be a real player in the PC game market and want to compete with Steam, shouldn't, I mean, at least you can just copy Steam when it comes to all these features, right? Yeah, that is true. Yeah, yeah. They could have at least like, you know, just have some tweaks here and there, you know, follow other launches like good old games or maybe the EA origin store that could work. I mean, again, shopping cart, quicker loading, maybe community pages and there, like basically some quality of life stuff that could actually work. But for now, they're just getting by with the free games and the fact that you can only access Fortnite on PC using only the Epic Games store. 
And recent reports have also shown that they have spent a lot when it comes to this, right? They've spent a lot of money to somehow, I guess, secure all these deals, pay a lot of developers for exclusive rights and things like that. Which is why it makes it kind of interesting to look at why they are so adamant on, on wanting to have their own platform elsewhere, right? When it comes to, I guess, um, going back to the whole Epic versus Apple thing. Is this why they perhaps want to cut the middle person? Um, they want to perhaps recoup all this, this money that they are losing right now? Uh, yeah, it seems pretty obvious. I mean, they're making money by spending money, offering incentives to developers, and then getting both developers and themselves to profit. Oh, by the way, that Sony deal I mentioned, that was actually 200 million, not 20 million, my bad. So it's actually much, much bigger. And they can afford it because of their legacy and I guess uh, Fortnite, which is still being a big thing right now as you speak. Epic Games has definitely been it for the money as like most companies are. I mean, they won't be spending as much if they didn't have like a long-term plan. At the end of the day, it's, they still want to sell Fortnite V-Bucks without paying Apple's 30% fee. I mean, if there's a way for them to get through that, even if they're going to lose this court case, they still will. And even though it might have some ramifications later on, which can, we can discuss. And, you know, also secure a future where they can create a version of the Epic Games Store that sells mobile games since you can't, you know, release a store within a store. So the thing about Epic is that they seem to be talking about things in a very uh, positive way, right? At least, at least when it comes to approaching developers, fighting for the rights of quote-unquote developers, earning more and things like that. But at the same time, they seem to be doing that in a very provocative way, right? Uh, very forceful, you know, like the whole Epic versus Apple thing, I, I guess it's a, a perfect display of how Epic does things sometimes. So um, how sincere are they when it comes to, you know, doing these things, you know, or these are all just a PR move on their end. How can we tell whether they are serious about trying to bring about changes to, to, to the industry? Um, right now, it's more like a wait and see approach. Definitely what they're doing right now. I mean, I agree with you. It's definitely a clear PR move. But even if Epic lost this court case, and they probably will since, you know, Apple looks like that they have a solid counter-argument, it's just one battle lost in the war against, like, different walled gardens from Xbox to Steam and whatnot. The fact that it can bring up a ruckus with its Fortnite riches, as well as the long-term Unreal Engine licensing profits, it's enough to make tech giants like Apple and even Valve take notice. Other game companies with their own walled gardens started changing their fees. For example, I believe Microsoft dropped its developer cut to 12% pretty recently. That's the same as what with the Epic Game Store cut, like we discussed. So it's more or less the optics of the whole court case rather than the victory that they're trying to secure, at least for Epic's front. Like I said, if they lost, they'll still be viewed as a quote-unquote benevolent giant despite the hypocrisy. They'll be viewed as a giant developer and publisher arm who understands and cares for its PC game-making brethren be it for the customers or developers. I mean, they're doing business for the sake of business. Even if it's like charitable, it's still business, basically. It's only in the games industry world where you can look like a hero by proving that you're less of a bad guy than the other bad guy. Yeah, and despite all this, we can't forget about Unreal Engine, right? And how, I guess, prevalent that engine is across the gaming world, right? It's very influential, yes. Yeah. 80% of the games we're playing right now are all on the Unreal Engine. Mm. So how do you see this panning out? Considering that I think once upon a time, yeah, Epic used to just be in the background and then because of Fortnite, they have already became more popular. Now this, you know, whole court battle with Apple. Um, where do you see Epic going from here? Actually, that's a very tough question because A, the court case isn't over yet. So I kind of want to see what the results are before I can actually start making a judgment call. Lah. 
But at least I can say this lah. I mean, both parties will need to check their online conference call settings first from now on because earlier on when the the on the very first day, I think they they were setting up for the court hearing and everything. Some people were actually tried to jump into the call and just said that they want to support Fortnite like a free they like little kids are basically interrupting the calls to yell out free Fortnite and doing things to actually get V-Bucks or something. So yeah, that that's pretty hilarious. But in all seriousness, digital storefronts will probably rethink how they distribute their cuts to game developers for fairer play. Lah. And also, we're living in a potentially dangerous future where competition can be bought, can be bludgeoned through blunt force with money. As a result, this would mean monopoly on Epic's side. Maybe, who knows? Again, Epic's business strategy, has, since we discussed so far, has been basically using money that they've accumulated for years on end to basically get exclusivity deals for a year or so. But this does come at a cost of stifling innovation and the spirit of competition. So while it's nice that people are supporting their favorite teams in this legal battle, they have to remember that there's still companies looking for bottom lines. They're only out after your wallet, so you have to treat them as such. They're not your friends. Let's just say that. So I guess a big conclusive thing is, you know, like, I guess we have to wait till the court case is over, lah. Then we can form a more concrete opinion. That was Jonathan Leo, Content Director at Kakuchupure.com and he's been helping us unpack how Epic Games has been conducting itself in the industry in light of their ongoing court battle with Apple. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, you can find the podcast on bfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play and also Spotify. Do share your thoughts about the show or the games that you play via our email, ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and Selamat Hari Raya Maaf Zahir dan Batin Till next time GG Well Played Thank you for listening To this podcast To find more Great interviews Go to BFM.my Or find us On iTunes BFM 89.9 The Business Station